Pixel Tunes Radio, a podcast where we have fun talking about video games and video game music. I'm Mega Man X Mike, and I am Zero Ed. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, the Proto Ed. Proto Ed. Well, we did that already. Yeah. Mm. You just Ed. Boomer Ed. Boomer Kawang Ed. <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to talk to you about Mega Man X One through Three. That's right, just the Super Nintendo games themselves. This is an episode I've been wanting to do a really long time, but Ed hates Mega Man X, so we're going to do it anyways. (laughs) I wouldn't go as far as hate. Right, right. But, you know, Mega Man X, uh, the series started in 1994 on the SNES, well-loved by so many people, lots and lots of sequels to the series. But before we get into all of that... We have our now every episode going on, as long as you people send questions to us, Pixel Chat segment. So we have quite a few yeah. uh, questions that were submitted to us, so thank you very much, guys. We're going to go in order of how they were received. So our first question comes from Cameron Mounts, who is a pretty good presence on our Facebook page, so he, he sent us a question. Uh, it's your standard desert island question. You're on an isolated location with only a music player of some kind, enough batteries for months of continuous use, and no other method of obtaining more tunes than you have on you. You each have only five VGM soundtracks with you. What are they? Easy. Okay. Mega Man 3, Zelda Link to the Past, Castlevania 2, Super Adventure Island, because you're on an island, and Project X Zone 2, because that has, like, almost every song from any Capcom game ever. Oh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> I like it. Um, probably a little chip-heavy for me, but I can I can definitely get behind all of those, except you actually you misspelled Mega Man 3. It should be Mega Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it that's one of yours? No, it's not, actually. Oh, yeah? Mine was um, Mother 3, Aqua Kitty Milk Mine Defender, Quake 2, Spider-Man and X-Men and Arcade's Revenge, and Rusty for the PC. Ah, Rusty. So, good stuff. Uh, you know, it's a good good combination of a lot of different types of sound. SNES, Genesis, Red Book, right. stuff like that. And Mother 3 is six hours long, yeah. so I'll never get tired of listening True. to that one. Good question, Cameron Mount. Yes, thank you. Let's go with the next question from Chris Myers. He wrote, Hey there, Mike and Ed. I was wondering what, in your opinions, is the worst VG soundtrack in a game that is otherwise good, and what is the best VG soundtrack in a game that is otherwise terrible? Thanks, love the show. Thank you, Chris. So, best soundtrack in an awful game, I would say Jonathan Dunn's Darkman for the NES. That game is awful. Good choice. Such a bad game. And worst game with the best soundtrack... I'd probably go with Silver Surfer on the NES. That that game's really pretty pretty ridiculous, but the soundtrack is fantastic. Okay. I like it. 
I can go with that. What about you? My worst OST for a good game might come out of left field for a lot of people, but I chose uh, Sin and Punishment on the N64. I know some people like that soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic game. Yeah. But the soundtrack for me is just like a wall of random notes. Yeah. It's okay. not very melodic and it never really spoke to me that much. Yeah. It's not very memorable if I recall. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best OST for a bad game, uh, X-Men for the NES. So yeah. we're kind of in the same boat yeah. there. The LJN. Tim, Tim Fallen, man. You can't he, go wrong with that. You really can't. All right. So the next one is from our pal Cam Worma. Oh, hey. My question is a bit straightforward, perhaps painfully so. What is your favorite OST for each of the following systems? So I'll announce the system and then you can okay. answer. So your favorite OST for the NES. Easy, Mega Man 3. Okay, we already know that one. Yep. Your favorite OST for the SNES. Uh, I'd say Chrono Trigger. It's the most well-rounded. Okay. Uh, your favorite for the Game Boy or Game Boy Color? Uh, ooh, that's tough. Right now, um, probably Power Quest maybe. Or okay. Action Man. I don't know. They're both good. Yeah. Favorite one for the Genesis? I think we know this one. Battle Mania Daikinjo. Heck yes. Uh, favorite one for the PSX? I think Symphony of the Night. One of the best ones out there. And do you have one for uh, miscellaneous consoles? See, this is where it got me because... And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get into this when we answer on my side, but... Yeah, you know, I couldn't really say because miscellaneous, it's so open-ended. Right. That Aqua Kitty Milk Defender's pretty good. Milk Mine Defender, yeah. Um... And then, you know, you also got, like, digital stuff, like, on Steam. I don't know. I, I, this is a hard question to answer, because yeah. there's, like, so... You're talking, like, millions of soundtracks right, to choose right. from. And also, do you like Sweet Relish or Dill Relish? Uh, sweet. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. It's the only way to go. Duh. All right. All right, so now it's my yes. favorite OST. Time. All right, so NES. Pictionary from Tim Fallon. Okay. Obviously. Super NES. Uh, Spider-Man and X-Men and Arcade's Revenge. I feel like this is all going to be Fallen. Tim Fallon. Uh, Game Boy or Game Boy Color? Smurfs Nightmare, not Tim Fallon. Okay, okay, Alberto Jose Gonzalez. Absolutely. Sega Genesis. Contra Hardcore. PlayStation. Ridge Racer. Nice, nice. And Miscellaneous. Uh, like a, I wrote right here, seriously, too many to pick from. Yeah, yeah. What kind of question is that? Yeah, I mean, the, the Miscellaneous <laughs> stuff is where all my favorite soundtracks right, come from, right. so that's yeah, really hard. I mean, obviously, I did mention Rusty. Ground Seed. Uh, Ground Seed in the, in the previous ones. Rusty, yeah. Choren Shah. Yeah. You know, there's just too many to count, so I'll kind of leave that open. Maybe we'll, maybe if Cam wants to ask us a follow-up question for the more obscure consoles, yes. we can we can do that on a future episode. I'd like to hear um, what everybody else's are too. Yeah, That'd yeah, be interesting. And so uh, I love sweet relish on hot dogs, but dill relish on hamburgers. Okay, okay, I makes sense. To split it up. Okay, relish tunes radio. Anyhow, so we had one uh, one last email, and it's not exactly a question, just something that. Uh, we wanted to talk about a little bit. So we talked at last episode about the pronunciation of the, uh, we played the Wanderers from Y apostrophe S three. <laughs> and so uh, Nathan, who has emailed us quite a bit just to discuss various things that we've talked about on the show, and always has some pretty insightful information, emailed us again about this. And uh, so he wrote the Sega Master System version of Y apostrophe S has a pronunciation note on its title screen. Besides the title, it reads and quotes the letter I apostrophe S. Eyes. Not true, because if you're talking about the Romanji pronunciation, it yeah. would be E's. Oh, true. Because yeah. that's that's what you pronounce I as I E. e in yeah, because it's I-E-U-A-O. Right, right. right. 
Uh, so he says, I know the Sega Master System version wouldn't in any reality be considered definitive over the Turbo CD version, and I know the footnote is not exactly free from confusion, but I would guess by the note alone that it's either pronounced eyes, like on your face, or ease, or ease. Just for a third opinion, I looked it up on the interwebs. Every source I could find, whether Wikipedia or Japanese YouTube clips of the anime or websites devoted to the games, even the wiki entries about the mythical Breton city from which the game likely takes its name, every entry pronounces it Ys, like fleeks. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just saying, but heck, even with the pronunciation note there, I still pronounced it wise for years. Same here. So I think this is just one of those things where you're going to get different, different information depending on where you go. Yees and E's are not that different from each other, so... Yeah. But, you know, like I said, uh, you can pronounce it any way you want, as long as people know what you're talking about. I, it seems like there are at least two correct pronunciations going by the different games that you can listen to or read right. from, so... Right, right. Just use one of those two, and I think you'll be okay. Yeah. But thanks, Nathan. We appreciate your yeah, comments. always. So, Mega Man X, you rented it, right? Yes, yeah, quite okay. a while ago. I don't okay. think I ever owned it. I got it for my 11th birthday. I got okay. that and Super Castlevania 4 yeah. loose. My parents bought it from Funko Land and gave it to me. 94, I was like a sophomore, junior in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, I was not playing video games at no? that point. So this really? series was just way under the radar. Yeah, I was me. in... Yeah, I was in sixth grade. Yeah, my yeah. brother was still playing, so I think, you know, we rented it, and he, I probably watched him play, because I did a lot of that back then, mm -hmm. and we got pretty far. Like, as I was playing through the game again for the show, mm -hmm. I remembered a lot of parts that I remembered from way back then, so that was my experience back in the day, so I don't have very many memories of, of this particular game. Hmm. Yeah, I played all of these games when they came out. X1, I got as a gift and beat it. And X2, I remember I rented first, and basically I kept renting it. Like, I held on to it until I beat it, I think, if I recall. Hmm. But I also would get Nintendo Power, like, in the mail all the time. So I would know, you know, what the boss is, like, what, to, what yeah, weapon yeah. to use on we what We used bosses. it, too, when we rented it. Yeah. I think that's why we rented it, because we had the article on Nintendo right. Power that kind of fed you through the whole thing. I remember the Nintendo Power that came out, which featured Mega Man X and uh, it was I was in between subscriptions and it released with an embossed cover I was pretty stoked to get that issue because that was the one I was like oh man this is so cool cool embossed cover nice wow so, yeah. No, Mega Man X, I've always been a fan of the series. Mega Man X was released by Capcom in 1994 as a way to revitalize the Mega Man series. And with it came a whole new slew of graphical upgrades, gameplay upgrades. Uh, they started going away from uh, humanoid robots that yes. had powers and more towards animal robots and sometimes even other crazier types of right. robots. <laughs> uh, so we'll go over a lot of that as we go through the series. But we're going to start off with the first Mega Man X. And so we're going to do two picks from Mike, two picks from me. And as we go through each Mega Man X, uh, we will kind of repeat that, that process. So what's our first pick of the day, Michael? Our first pick is mine, Spark Mandrel, which how could we not play this track? It's iconic. Makoto Tomozawa was the composer of this specific track. All right, let's take a listen.
Welcome back. That was one of my favorite tracks of all time. Spark Mandrel, composed by Makoto Tomazawa on Mega Man X, came out in 1994 for the Super NES. Man, I, I love this track. I can easily see why this is one of your favorite tracks. <laughs> Everything that you've pretty much described as what you love about video game music and like Super Nintendo music in general is present yes. in this track. Very true. Overdriven guitar, check. Galloping uh, bass. Galloping bass, check. check. Double bass drums and awesome drums, check. <laughs> uh, really cool synth stuff, check. It's interesting because I didn't know musically what type of music I liked back in the day. Like, I, I listened to what my parents listened to, but I didn't have my own sort of music, so to speak, that I really cherished. And when I listened to this soundtrack in particular, I was like, oh man, this is such good music. And when I later found out about a lot of metal bands that I'm now currently into, especially particularly power metal or any kind of power metal bands like um, Labyrinth, uh, Primal Fear, I guess you could say the precursor to power metal, bands like Halloween and Iron Maiden, it, it's very clear. I mean, you've got like twin guitar harmonies, uh, one of which, which is really interesting when you listen to the harmonies. You can break these down in emulators, which I've talked about before that I've done, specifically with this track and Storm Eagle's track, which we'll hear in a little bit. The melodies in this are really interesting because you've got that fast, uh, that dun, 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 like speedy, thrashy kind of guitar, almost like galloping guitar, and then you've got the main melody, which it actually doesn't play the way that you hear it when everything's put together, which is so cool about video game music, is that they put everything together so that you hear one specific song through stereo. But if you break it down, there are so many different channels, so many different layers that are kind of merging together, and they all separately don't sound like what they sound like when they're all together. So it's mm. really interesting to hear it all come together. These soundtracks for me are way too in high range for okay. me. They're kind of almost ear-piercing for me in, in, in some respects. I like very bassy music where, you know, things are like low to mid. You're more groove-oriented, yeah, I would say. Yeah, so these, these soundtracks, while I, I feel they're really well composed, don't speak to me, I, I would say, as much as mm -hmm. they do to you, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, I, I do like this track because I do like the melodies. What I did was I took it into you know my audio editing software that I used to make the show mm -hmm. and kind of pitched it down like a whole octave, mm -hmm. but keeping it at the same speed. And then it sounded really cool to me because mm -hmm. then it was like new metal, right. so it was a little darker and and, and heavier. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of helped me understand the melodies behind the song and the, the bass lines and and so I, I really appreciate this song for the musicality that's in it. Mm. I just wish that that guitar tone wasn't so grating <laughs> on my own ears. Not a fan of the Super NES yeah, guitar. Yeah, I guess I have the ears of a dog, like high-pitched sounds really bother me. Okay. So. But anyways, yeah, so Spark Mandrel, one of the most iconic tracks from Mega Man X. Definitely. Uh, so a whole bunch of composers worked on this game. Uh, Setsuo Yamamoto, who was the lead composer, Makoto Tomozawa, Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takahara, and Toshihiko Horiyama, all of which were uh, you know, Capcom employees and created many, many other games for Capcom. So starting off with Setsuo Yamamoto, who was the lead on the game, he composed music for Mega Man X and Final Fight. He's also gone by the aliases Kashira, Purple, and Mr. X. 
so this guitar sound that you hear that I was just talking about, he calls the bone guitar. Okay. I'm not sure why he calls it that, but that's kind of his signature name for the, for the sound font that he's using. He's also worked on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Strider 2, Rival Schools, just a whole bunch of stuff. Like, mostly the Street Fighter stuff. So Street Fighter Zero 2 Alpha, uh, Puzzle Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha 2 Gold, Pocket Fighter... Mega Man 2, the Power Fighters, the arcade game. So oh, okay. he remixed a lot of the original Mega Man songs. And then he also did the Final Fight 2 soundtrack on the SNES. So if you listen to that soundtrack, you'd notice that the instrumentation yes. is very, very, very similar, similar to Mega Man X. So second on our list is Makoto Tomozawa. He was an executive sound member and composer for Capcom. And he's best known for the Mega Man Legends series. His first soundtrack back in 1993 was Aladdin for the SNES. Goes by the alias V Tomozo. So he started off, you know, like I said, on Aladdin. He worked on Mega Man 7. You mean Aladdin? Aladdin? Yeah. You said Aladdin? Yeah, Aladdin. Yes. <laughs> Is there a joke behind here that I'm not getting, or...? No, it's oh. Aladdin, man. Okay. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> Anyhow, so, uh, you know, he also worked on the Resident Evil series, the original Resident Evil, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Mega Man Legends, of course, Dino Crisis, Dino Crisis 2, Mega Man Zero series. Uh, he did some arrangements. He worked on the Rockman 9 arranged soundtrack. Most recently, he did some music for Street Fighter X Tekken in 2012 and then was uh, listed in credits as a sound help on Ultra Street Fighter 4 in 2014. And Yuki Iwai, uh, she's actually married to another composer for Capcom, Takayuki Iwai, who's best known for the Darkstalkers series. Uh, Yuki Iwai, however, has worked on Gargoyles Quest 2, where she's credited as Sato, Wily and Wright No Rock Board, that's Paradise, uh, that's the Mega Man board game that came out on the NES, also credited as Sato. Final Fight 2, again, credited as Yuki. Street Fighter 2 Turbo, the Super NES version, and she did music design on that. Uh, she's actually credited as Yuki 3D Satomura on that. Right, Satomura was her maiden name before she right. became Yuki Iwai. That's correct. Mega Man X2, uh, now this is important to note, she's not credited in the game itself, but she did do all of the music for Mega Man X2. We'll get into that more in depth later. Marvel Super Heroes, Mega Man 2, The Power Fighters, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 3, Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter, Pocket Fighter, the arcade version, and on and on and on and on. Later on did Spawn in the Demon Sandwich, I've not played. Spawn in the Demon Sandwich? No. Spawn in the Demon's Hand. Did which I say you, sandwich? You said just Spawn in the Demon's Hand, which you haven't played. It sounded like Spawn oh. in the Demon's Sandwich. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spawn <laughs> in the Demon's Sandwich. Uh, it's a uh, Dreamcast 2 exclusive. You've heard it, heard it here first. <laughs> so, lots and lots of Capcom. Lots of good stuff. Yuko Takahara is the next person. She's actually worked on quite a lot of Capcom stuff as well. Uh, Mega Man 6 is probably my favorite that she's worked on. Uh, also worked on Aladdin. She is often credited as Yuko. Final Fight 2, uh, Mega Man 7, Street Fighter Alpha, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Mega Man 2, The Power Fighter, she's credited as Kadota Yuko. Uh, Star Gladiator, I've not played that one, but sounds pretty cool. 
Uh, I think that's a fighter. So a lot of fighters in her under her belt. X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, JoJo's Venture. Did music composition on that. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for the arcade and PlayStation 1. She did Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance, but she didn't do Link to the Past. She did the Four Swords game that came with it. Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo Game Boy Advance version. So she's done a lot of Game Boy Advance conversions. She also worked on Mega Man 10 as a composer under Into Creates and uh, also worked on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure HD. What I find interesting about her is that she started off as Yuko Kodota, which was her maiden name. Mm -hmm. And then you see her being credited as Yuko Takehara later on. Right. But then you get into like the GBA version of Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, and then she's back to Yuko Kodata again. But Maybe then she got divorced. in 2010, her credits go back to Takahara. So Maybe she got divorced and remarried. Who knows? To the same guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hey, man, people do crazy stuff. It's true. It's true. All right. The last person is Toshihiko Horiyama, and he worked on Mega Man X4, which is fantastic. He's also done work on the Ace Attorney and Mega Man Battle Network series, Demon's Crest, uh, even though he's not credited in the in-game credit list. Uh, Mega Man 7 did sound composition on Mega Man X3. Uh, now, it's important to note he did the PlayStation, Saturn, and PC versions, which is the music uh, arrangement, not necessarily composition, despite the fact that it says that. Uh, X4, uh, Mega Man, and Bass, the Super Nintendo version. Misadventures of Tron Bon, Onimusha Warlords, Onimusha 2, Samurai's Destiny, uh, Yakuten Kenji 2, which I believe is Miles Edgeworth 2, and Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney Dual Destinies, which was the 3DS game that came out, and finally worked on an arrangement for Mega Man EXE or Mega Man Battle Network. So yeah, tons of music, tons of composers, all good stuff. Yeah, and most of these composers worked on this game kind of early on yeah. in their career, True. and then have gone on to do you know many more Red Book Audio and arcade games, right. so many you know award-winning titles over the years. This is where they kind of use this game as their stepping stone to further their careers within Capcom. So. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the game. We're going to do a kind of a brief overview of the Mega Man X plotline and move into our next song. So this game started off with Dr. Kane, and he was doing an archaeological dig and uh, found something metal under the ground, dug a little bit deeper, found what ended up being Dr. Light's lab right. over like 100 years later. So in that lab, there was a huge capsule that Dr. Kane was able to get open, and inside that capsule was X, which was a robot that Dr. Light had created to, I guess, kind of replace and upgrade the original Mega Man. For the most part, it's just like, you're Mega Man X, you're joined by Zero, who is your buddy, your compatriot, if you will, your fellow robot friend, and Zero's kind of like, he takes on a, a mentor role to X. And he's essentially just like bringing him along on these missions. X gets defeated by this bad bot named Vile. There's two different sides of the coin, I guess you could say. There's the Maverick Hunters and then there's the Reploids. The Reploids are essentially the good robots. Yeah, those are the robots that Dr. Kane created with the help of right. X. He basically used a technology he found in Dr. Light's lab to create the Reploids. 
Um, and then some Reploids ended up going Maverick. Right. So the Reploids that are good, being Zero and X, now have to fight against Sigma, who's the big bad guy, right. Vile, and then the other boss robots, right. which we'll go over in our next break. Yeah, it's very similar to the first Mega Man game that came out, where Kane created these robots and then they went Maverick. Uh, and Just like Dr. Light created all the helper right, bots, and they right. ended up going rogue and Mega exactly. Man. Exactly. Yeah. So it basically follows the same plot line, but 100 years later. Yes. And so Mega Man gets his mission, and he and Zero go out to stop all of the baddies. That's right. Yep. With that said, let's move on to our next track. This is Mike's second pick from the game. This is Storm Eagle, also by Makoto Tomazawa. And let's just get on down to it. Welcome back. That was Storm Eagle, released for Mega Man X 1994 on the SNES. And that was composed by Mokoto Tomozawa. And I don't know, I like the percussion on this one. It's like, it's very heavy, very rock. There's that part, like the B section, where there's this really, really high-pitched guitar in the mm-hmm. right channel, and that like that grates on me. <laughs> but the main riff of this song is really good. It really right. drives the song. Uh, the synth is always interesting to hear in the background. Like I was talking about last break, I always break down the songs because I've done that before in the emulator, and so I can hear the different parts. And it's, it's interesting because growing up, I remember listening always to the main melody, and then after breaking it down, now when I listen to it or when I, you know, kind of, you know, hum it in my own head, I'll hum the part that I never used to kind of hear in my head before that, that synth that kind of channels its way through the song. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Uh, a buddy of mine, used, he, he loved this track and he used to put it in his phone, but he is a terrible speller. So we put Strom Eagle instead of Storm Eagle. Nice. So now as kind of like an homage to that, Anytime I put this song on a phone or anytime I put upload this song somewhere, I always put Strom Eagle. <laughs> He's not Storm Eagle to me. He's Strom He's Eagle. He's Strom Eagle. <laughs> Stromming along. Stromming along. <laughs> so as far as the Mavericks, there are eight of them, just like in the other Mega Man games, the previous titles. Uh, chill Penguin is the first, and he is a Chill Penguin. It's very chill. <laughs> so penguin. You know, you walk into his boss room and he's like, yo, X, what's going on, dude? You want to just hang out? And the next just starts shooting him. So yeah. chill penguin's like, all right, I'm not that's, chill anymore. That's what, that's what tips him off. Yeah. So it's a Winter Wonderland style level. Ice everywhere. You know, nip slipping nip, all over the place. Nip slipping all over Ugh. the place. You get the shotgun ice when you beat him, and he is weak to Firewave, but you can use the Mega Buster on him. Yeah, that's what I typically really do. do that too. 
What, what's the next one? Spark Mandrill is up next. Uh, he's like he's a monkey because I, I, th- yeah, I think yeah, yeah. mandrills are monkeys. Kind of like an ape-looking yeah, kind of guy, and yeah. he charges at you all over the place. His weapon is the electric spark. Uh, so his level is kind of like a very technological, like a techno area. world. Yeah, sparks yeah. you know flying across the ground and stuff, trying to beat you up. And his his electric spark is it's more like a beam that goes up and down, if I remember. Uh, yeah, when he does the shot, it it shoots on the ground and also above him. I don't know, because I haven't seen him actually shoot me in probably about oh, almost 15 years, <laughs> at least. Uh, I use shotgun ice on him, and it stops him in his tracks, right. and you could just keep shooting him yep. with that. If you time your shots right, you'll never see him use electric spark. That's crazy. Yeah. Armored Armadillo is next. He is an armadillo, and he has this armor on. <laughs> he gives you the rolling shield and you can knock his armor off of him with electric spark right Interest- one shot it just kind of flies off right and then he kind of just attacks you without it he just shoots like little electric blurbs at Man. you you can beat him also with the mega buster but he does an attack that I've only seen once because again I have a pattern when I go through these games I know how to attack the enemies I know what to use so if I watch somebody else play it and they use the mega buster on him he does this attack with his armor where he like does this like mega shot he like powers up and then he shoots you and I'm kind of like the first time I saw that I was like what is this like I've (laughs) never seen that before and the person that was playing was like yeah no this is what he does every time I only use the mega buster when I beat the enemies and I was like who are you and why are you in my house? Why are like, you making this more difficult yeah, for yourself? Right? Like, so who's after that? After that is Launch Octopus. And uh, obviously he's he's an octopus, but he's also got legs. So I don't yeah. know why he's got the tentacles. He's got he's the tentacles got... and the legs. Yeah. So it's very confusing. Yeah. He is obviously weak to Armored Armadillo's rolling shield, which is like a kind of a giant bubbly thing that you shoot out yeah. in front of you. And from him, you get the homing torpedo, which you can use on... Boomer Kuunger. That's why I always call him. I never knew what a Kuunger is. What is, is it really Kuunger? pronounced Kuunger? I've always pronounced it Kuanger. I think it's a Kuunger. I thought right. it was Australian, so it's just like Boomer Kuunger. Okay. Right? Okay. I don't know. I'm Boomer Kuunger. I don't know. It doesn't no. have the same ring. Yeah. Boomer Kuunger is an interesting guy. He is the guy that has the horns. I think you're right. Like, yeah, like like almost like yeah, like flamey like, horns. Like, almost they kind of like come mm, out like steam. Yeah, like sharp bit. horns. Yeah. kind of sorta. And he's really kind of tall and gangly. I, I believe a Kuunger is a, a beetle. So they have like these sharp like pincer kind of. That makes sense. Head. Okay, I can see it. Word. So he's not a. Reindeer. He's not a reindeer. Okay. No. All right. Yeah. So after you be Boomer Koanger, it's recommended you go on to Sting Chameleon. And he uh, basically sits there and sings about Roxanne and turning out the red light. <laughs> no, he clearly sings about Karma Chameleon. <laughs> oh, man. Ah. I see what you did there. You know what? He comes and goes. Yes. Uh, but he is kind of red, gold, and green, actually, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, so. true. <laughs> Definitely green. Yeah, Sting Chameleon is a cool boss. He can actually turn invisible, and he's kind of like a ninja in that, in that way, because he kind of like moves and shifts all over the screen. It's a really cool boss. He actually uses the Chameleon Sting, which is like this green kind of sharp thing that he shoots at you. 
you could beat him with boomerang cutter, which you get from Boomer Kuwunger. And then you move on to Storm Eagle. Storm Eagle, or I'm sorry, Strom Eagle. Strom Eagle. Strom Eagle. And Strom Eagle is just this like really epic big bird, this giant eagle who- Dive bombs you. Yeah, he dive bombs you and he shoots these little baby storm eagles at you. I always hated when bosses did that. Really? Shoot baby versions of, like literally you're like, it's you're just throwing babies into a suicide mission because it takes like one or two buster shots to kill the babies. That's true, that's true. Mass murdering babies. I'm gonna send my, like, you know, if, if I was being attacked, if somebody came into my room and wanted to attack me, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like throw my kids at them. Like, you wouldn't? What, what? No. No? Little babies at the throat, you never, they always go straight for you, so I don't know. True. It just makes me sad. <laughs> so you can use the chameleon sting on Storm Eagle, and you get the Storm Tornado, and you can use that against Flame Mammoth. Flame Mammoth is a mammoth made of flame. <laughs> he and, looks like he's an elephant. Right, yeah. well that's what a mammoth is. Yeah. Kind of-ish, yeah. prehistoric elephant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he has his little trunk and he shoots flames and then he charges you and does all that wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And from him, you get the fire wave and then you can use him on Chill Penguin and then blah, 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 yeah, yeah, and go yeah. around and around exactly. and around in a circle. I think Mega Man X probably had the best boss lineup as far as originality goes. I will also say that I liked that some of these bosses had their own personalities to them. Like Launch Octopus was cocky. When you first open up and get get into Launch Octopus's level, or his when you get into his chamber, I guess you could say, he points at you with his tentacle, and then he points down at the ground. Like you're going yeah, down. Yeah, like you're going down. That was so cool, like that. I, I hated that level. Like that's my least favorite level in the whole game. But after seeing that, it kind of made it all worth it in the end. Excellent. And then there is Sigma. Sigma. Sigma's the main bad guy, I guess you could say. Used to be best buds with X and Zero and Dr. Kane and all of them. And he kind of, uh, when he went Maverick, he went and did his own thing and became the evil villain. He brought on Vile, who is kind of like his henchman, so to speak. I mean, you know, kind of like a, a Boba Fett. Very like physically Absolutely. looks very, like him too. Very much looks like Boba Fett from Star Wars. Sigma would always get blown up, and he would always be like, "X, I will return." And then he doesn't pass. That's the thing about robots, man. Their consciousnesses are always electronically transferable. True. Can never actually fully kill them. Yeah. Bummer. Oh well. Yep. What's next? Next up is our next track, actually. So this is uh, my first pick of the show. And this one is Armored Armadillos track, and this one is composed by Setsuo Yamamoto.
Welcome back. That was Armored Armadillo by Setsuo Yamamoto. Again, Mega Man X 1994 for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I always picture horns. Oh yeah, in the beginning. totally. It's I very mean, jazzy. It's very and, and big it, band. I, I really wish that I could hear a remix of this, and I'm sure it exists, where it's like slowed down a little bit. Mm. And you hear like the almost like noir kind of sound to it, like blah 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 blah. Very smoky kind of feel. Yeah, 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 wouldn't that be cool? That would be great. That'd be really cool. But then, I mean, it just breaks into this like awesome just metal song. So you can't really. You've got that weird juxtaposition of two different songs. This amalgamation of the two. They work very well together, though. Yeah, I feel like you know, and one of the reasons I picked this one is because I feel like this felt most like the tracks I was familiar with from the NES okay. Mega Man series. Yeah. You know, kind of almost a Latin feel to it, but again, that very jazzy feel. I could definitely hear that lead being played on like a square wave on the mm-hmm. NES. Very energetic, you know. Mm-hmm. It feels, the song feels faster than the game actually goes. Yeah. And you need it cool. too in the level because when you're listening to this song, it's a very high energy level. Yeah. You're going through these caves underground and you've got this this thing chasing after you, this giant like mechanical drill thing, and he's like drilling through, and then eventually he falls and dies in this like pit of spikes or whatever. And you could also jump on this like thing that carries you like really fast, this like conveyor belt almost like, like a, a minecart. Yeah, like a minecart ride almost. And that travels you at a really quick pace, so you've got to really be on your toes for this one, so the music really fits very well with this level. I always die. The first time I play this level, like, whenever I haven't played it in a while, I always die at the end, okay. where the minecart, like, flies towards the oh, wall. Really? I always jump off too early uh, and end up in that pit. So this song reminds me of that area gotcha. particularly. So let's talk a little bit about the features in Mega Man X, which are new to this series from the original Mega Man series. I guess what would stand out the most would be the new armor pieces that you can get as you go throughout the game. True. Yeah, X can get different armored capsules throughout the stages, and they were, interestingly enough, hidden by Dr. Light to help X in his quest to fight against the Mavericks. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Because they weren't there when Dr. Light was alive. Right, right. Like, these Mavericks built these stages. Uh, anyway, <laughs> And as the games go on, it gets more and more ridiculous because it's like Light knows what's happening in the present day, and you're like, that makes a- no sense. Time like, travel. Why? Yeah, Time I, travel. Know, I guess. Uh, so there's the helmet part, which you can get in Storm Eagle's stage that allows X to break uh, certain blocks with his head. There's the body part in the Sting Chameleon stage that's like the chest armor, and that takes half off the damage that you take. The next part is the arm part. You can get that in Flame Mammoth stage, and that allows you to charge up your X-Buster a little bit more, uh, and you can charge your special weapons that you get from bosses as well for extra attacks. Mm -hmm. And then there's the leg part. Now this is kind of the only part that's almost a necessary find, because it's right in the middle of Chill Penguin right. stage. You get it at the beginning of the game. And this is the dash, and this is kind of like the seminal new move that you get for Mega Man X, and it allows you to, obviously, like what it says, dash forward at a quicker pace, right. helps you dodge enemies, helps you dodge uh, boss attacks, and you pretty much need this this move to get yeah. through the rest of the game. That's why you get it in Chill Penguin stage. You know, It's pretty much well established that he's the first boss that you fight against. Pretty much everybody knows that. Yeah. If you didn't know that, well, you'll figure it out pretty quick. Which is ironic because it would be 
I would see it as an ice level, and it would not be the first stage oh, really? that I would ever pick. So it kind of pisses me off All that right. I have to go through an ice level first <laughs> before getting to the rest of the stages. That's not unlike a lot of these games, actually. There's a lot of these in the X series where you're playing the ice level first, yeah. interesting enough. Uh, funny thing about the arm part. So, yes, you can get it in Flame Mammoth stage. I didn't know that for the longest time because it's extremely well hidden. So, as you're going through the game, midway through the first stage, something happens to the character Zero. He gets defeated by Vile in the end, but he also takes down Vile's giant mech suit. And after you beat Vile, after you get the strength to beat Vile, you rush over to Zero, and he's bleeding from the mouth. I guess that's blood. And oil. Oil. Tomato sauce. Red oil. <laughs> and he's like, X, you know, I'm dying. I'm not going to last. Take my arm cannon. And he gives you the arm cannon. So if you don't get the arm part in Flame Mammoth stage, you get it anyways, but you get it like a stage later or a couple stages yeah, yeah. later in here. And it's the same exact part. So... Uh, the cutscenes are a little different depending on which, when you get... Yeah, and that gets much armor. more prevalent as the series right. goes on. Yeah, how you do things and the order you do things and right. whether you find things uh, changes the storyline kind of drastically yeah, sometimes. absolutely. So once you get all these armor parts, now, and think back to 1994, Street Fighter Two was like the biggest game in the entire yes. universe. And of course, Capcom being the publisher wanted to capitalize on that a little bit. So after you get all these armor parts, you can find the Hadoken, which is uh, an addition to your blaster, which lets you do your traditional quarter circle toward plus fire right. move to shoot a Ryu and Ken style fireball at your enemies doing extra damage. Yeah. It's, it's kind, kind of a cool a, addition. It's, it's kind of a pain to get though. Yeah. I mean you have to like die a certain amount of times. You have to that cliff that you were talking about, the armored armadillo cliff, you have to jump off it like I think five times. So you have to die five times. And then after you do that you can then go all the way up and jump off, and then you can kick your way up, and you'll be able to get the Hadouken. Yep, I remember the, doing. It. I remember like you know seeing how to get it, right? Uh, and literally because I was such a big Street Fighter Two fan, yeah, yeah. like doing everything I needed to do to get that during the time that I rented That's it. Cool. It was pretty cool. I've done it before. It's just I, I don't know. When I play through it again, I just could. It's not necessary to beat the game, yeah. so it's kind of a novelty. Right. Exactly. One of the other big changes to the game is that you can wall jump or wall oh, kick. Yeah, you right. can kick off of walls, which you couldn't do in the original Mega Man game, so that's important to note. Yes. Um, but but armor is like a key thing. There's also sub-tanks and heart tanks that you can get. So the sub-tanks, those are essentially just like energy tanks, but the, the cool thing about those is you can, when you have a full life bar, if you collect more health, it'll start filling up your energy tanks or your sub-tanks. And you can fill up up to four. You can collect up to four of those. Those are scattered throughout the levels. Uh, there's also heart containers, which you can get, which increase your life bar. The yeah, because it starts off pretty bar. short at the beginning. Yeah, it does. And so you can, it, there's one in every single Maverick boss level. Cool. Yeah. All right, let's say we move on to our next and last track from Mega Man X. This is Boomer Kawanger, or Kawanger, or however you want to pronounce it, composed by Yuko Takehara.
Dr. Light! Thank goodness I found one of your weird hologram recorded capsules that have been randomly scattered throughout various locations, and yet somehow you know all about present day activities despite being gone for a hundred years. Hello there, X. You're probably wondering what I'm doing here. Well, I'm here to show you my most amazing Mega Buster yet, the Incredibuster. The Incredibuster? Sounds incredible. How does it work? Well, you know how in the past I've given you the ability to charge up super shots separately to use at your disposal? From two shots, or later, five glorious shots? Yeah, that last one was not so great. It took forever to charge up. But the power is where it's at. With the Incredibuster, charge up 100 shots simultaneously. Each projectile will destroy every known present and future Maverick Hunter forever. How is that even possible? Science, my dear boy. It takes about two hours to fully charge it up, but it'll be well worth it. Two hours? That just simply will not work for me. I need quick, lightning-fast reaction time. Fear not. The Incredibuster puts a force field around your body so you can charge without taking damage. Give it a shot. Okay, here goes nothing. Two hours later. Okay, let's do this! Mega Buster! Mom, the Incredibuster broke the game again! Remember, kids? Never trust Dr. Light's Incredibuster. It destroys game universes. This has been a public service announcement from your old friends at Capcom. Welcome back. That was our final track from Mega Man X. That was Boomer Kuwanger or Kuwanger or Kuwanger, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Kuwanger. Cowanger. It's his last name. Boomer Cowanger. Yes. And that was composed by Yuko Takahara. And that track is just straight up dance metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt very Konami to me with those synth hits. They're not exactly like orchestra hits, but yeah. they're a little more mechanical sounding. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, the Capcom composers kind of saw what Konami was doing and was mm -hmm. like, I want to do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but couldn't exactly duplicate it for fear of being ripping off Konami or something. Right, right. But still, it gave it that kind of feel. I just this freaking phenomenal track. Really fantastic stuff. Like it from start to finish. Like I said, you picked you picked the two songs that I wanted to pick, but at the same time, I knew I had to pick Strom Eagle and <laughs> Spark Mandrill. So I'm glad that we were able to play all four of our favorite tracks. And really, honestly, we could have played every single track in this game because the whole soundtrack is phenomenal. Says you. Says me. Says you. Well, I also wanted to, you know, kind of get a full feel for a lot of as, as many different composers as we right. possibly could. Sure. So. You know, there there were a couple that we didn't feature, but we'll, you know, obviously compose some more songs and tracks of our favorite stuff on yeah. uh, the Facebook group. So there were some interesting stories that went on behind the scenes of Mega Man X. Now, originally, the game was going to be called Super Rockman. That was the development title. So I would imagine, you know, they probably would have been also thinking about calling it Super Mega Man when it came out right. over here as well. Yeah. Eventually, the second development title became Rockman X. And they liked that so much, they decided to keep that when it finally hit retail shelves. So, of course, you know, they translated that into Mega, Mega Man, Man X. X when it comes out. Right. Yeah, so apparently the planners were extremely late 
regarding the development of the game, so it kind of left the programmers to have to work overtime to finish the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the programmers uh, wrote in the development notes that all of the code for Spark Mandrill was written over the course of one night uh, to meet a ROM review deadline one month before the final game was due. Wow. So they were really cranking out these these bosses and yeah, this stuff. Yeah, they were. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, lead composer Setsuo Yamamoto uh, was given the task to lead the soundtrack creation, and so he decided he wanted to play all of the existing Mega Man games or Rock Man games okay. up until that point. And so he was getting familiar with the game, getting familiar with the music. He wanted to emulate the feel of the Mega Man games as much as possible. Then he went in for a meeting with uh, Shotsuge, who was one of the lead planners on the game, and uh, basically told Yamamoto to forget everything he knew from the original Mega Man Aww. games. Because this was going to be a new, quote-unquote, badass Mega Man, which right. is when he decided to take it in kind of a more rock metal version. Right. But, you know, in an interview he said he felt so, like, frustrated because he had just spent all these all this time, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't use cheat codes or anything. He, right. he basically, you know, practiced his way through all these Mega Man games. And all of that kind of, like, went by the wayside. I guess at least he knew what not to do. Right. You know? Well, there was less of a focus in this game on making songs that sounded like the levels for the most part. I yeah, mean, other yeah. than the high energy levels, there was no like, okay, this song's going to sound like this. There was yeah. no like cinematic feel to this right, next right. game. It was, let's just create some really rocking awesome tunes and throw them in the levels. It's and actually funny, I just noticed this, but mm-hmm. that the, the Armored Armadillo track was the track that I said sounded to me most like the original Mega Man games. Right. And that was the only Setsuo Yamamoto track that we played. So right. evidently, even though he was told not to, some of that, that oh, original Mega Man over. tunes were subconsciously coming through Absolutely, to yeah. him. So it was it was pretty neat. So yeah, yeah. The, the whole concept behind this game was that uh, it took a very long time to plan out KG Inafune was made the the lead designer of these games, and he just wanted to make sure everything was right. So a lot of planning time. Uh, he created the Zero character right. on his own and fell in love with that character. So a lot of this game ended up being based around that Zero character. And in, in some points later on in the series, it almost feels like Mega Man is a supporting character to Zero. That's exactly it. That was the whole purpose of when he created Zero, because if you remember... Uh, in the original series, he wasn't the actual creator of Mega Man. It was a different uh, developer. Yeah. It was and Zero was actually going to be the lead character in the game before it, they decided to change it over ooh, to Rockman. Right, Man. exactly. And that's why Mega Man, the later series that conti- that immediately follows the Mega Man X series, Mega Man Zero, you play as Zero. It's a direct continuation from the X series. So. Interesting. Quite, quite. Let's move on to Mega Man X2 and our first track from that game. Now, this entire soundtrack was composed by Yuki Iwai, who was also featured on the original Mega Man X game. Uh, So this is Mike's first pick, and this is... Magna Centipede. This track is called Red Alert, and it is awesome. Check it out.
All right, welcome back. That was Magna Centipede, otherwise known as Red Alert, released on Mega Man X2 for the SNES in 1995, and that was composed by Yuki Iwai. And such a much darker, like very foreboding feel to this track. This is what I was talking about before. The X series music started to shift into a more... Cinematic sounding. Cinematic sounding. This is a little more progressive, different time signatures. Not so much just a balls-to-the-wall generic, not not generic metal, but uh, metal that doesn't sound like it takes place in any of the stages, you know? Right, right. And there's no real, like, the first game, it's pretty clear. It's, like, very NWOBHM heavy metal, like, power metal, very derivative of that. These tracks are a lot more progressive, but I love the breakdown in this track. The, it's it, This is a very short loop, first off. It's, yeah. I mean, you could do probably about a minute, minute and a half of this, and then you're kind of burnt out on it. But as far as the, the drive, when you're listening to it, just that, that part where it breaks down to da-da-da-da-da-da, like, just awesome. And so I can't speak about this track without speaking about one of my favorite video game music bands, like cover bands, and that's the X-Hunters. They are a band that, for the most part, do mostly Mega Man X stuff, uh, as far as remixes go. When they first came out, they were doing pretty much like by-the-book remixes, or not remixes, but covers Covers, of the Mega Man X songs. Very fast, very speedy, very thrashy. And as they kind of went on, they started slowing stuff down, making it their own, and I'm gonna post this track that they did. Uh, it's called Sting of the Centipede, I believe it's called. And it's it's essentially the Magna Centipede track, but redone in a metal sound. You guys should really check them out. They have albums, like they've done at least a couple albums. And this album, as well as the albums that they've done after this, follow this format. They slowed the songs down and they made them much less thrashy and more just like grungy, like mm. dirty sounding and and just the they do a phenomenal job i cannot speak highly enough about these guys so if you are a metal fan and you also like these mega man x soundtracks do yourself a favor and check out the x hunters they are phenomenal i'll post a link in the facebook group check it out because it's really good stuff sweetness so the plot follows mega man x of course he's without zero zero has is gone because from the first game bit the dust yep essentially six months prior he defeated sigma and now it's six months later and these three mavericks have appeared calling themselves oddly enough the x hunters coincidence where the Not band at all. got themselves their name from uh, so the X-Hunters have come up, these three guys, all very different characters. Agile, Surges, and Violin right, are their names. Right, right. And Violin, I believe, is the heavy set guy who has this, like, steel ball, the spiked ball that he bounces back and forth. And so these guys are, they basically show up and they give X a hard time. And they're like, listen, we have Zero's body parts. If you want them, you got to destroy us. Come and get them. Yep, basically. So the whole point of the game is to try to get Zero's body parts back and, you know, to eventually destroy Sigma again. 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 You know, and, and a lot of these, this is where we start seeing a lot of cutscenes, and most of the cutscenes in this game revolve around everybody talking about how powerful X yeah, is. It's very Dragon like, Ball Z. He's so powerful. Yeah. We've got to beat him. He's so powerful. Like, they yeah. mention that over and over yeah. again. So they're basically just trying to lure him out into this 
trap. Right. And Mega Man X thinks, you know, he can't do it by himself. He needs Zero to destroy Sigma again. Right. right. So, and it's it's funny because it's almost like Mega Man doesn't have the confidence in himself, even though everybody right. else knows how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. So he thinks the only way he can do it is to get Zero back. But the only way to get Zero back is to walk into the trap. So it's right. kind of a, it really helps the game move along because it gives you things to collect along the yeah. way. And when you collect those things, you get your buddy back. So right. exactly. it makes for a good game. Yeah. As we were talking about before, the plot does start to evolve and it does start to split so that it it increases the replay value in the game because if you don't collect the zero body parts when, when you're going through, then you end up fighting zero in the end during the Sigma levels. But if you do collect the zero body parts, well, I don't want to spoil it, but what I will say is it is epic it is awesome (laughs) it's really cool i talked about it a little bit in the mike's picks episode when we actually played uh the zero music from this scene all i can say is do yourself a favor and play through this game collect all of the zero body parts and you're in for a real epic awesome treat awesome all right well let's get into our next track this one is from wheeled gators stage it's called panzer des dragons des dragons dragon tank we're back that was wheel gators stage known as panzer des drakens uh translated from the german that is dragon tank and that is from mega man x2 on the snes composed by yuki iwai i always thought this song would be a good like boss select screen yeah music no that sounds true. very much like those other tracks i like it. it's got two different parts again a lot darker than the mega man x mm-hmm. Stuff, but I like that. Do 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 do. Right, it's cool. Uh, you know, it's very short, but I didn't really get tired of this track when I was playing through the level, even though it took me quite a while to get through it. I love the. I don't know if they're horns, but that. Yeah, it's a saxophone. Yeah, sound. it's a saxophone. Absolutely. That's it. It gives a different flavor to the song. It it makes it. It kind of breaks up the monotony of just the straightforward metal. Kind of, and it kind of gives you something else to listen to, and you're like, oh, you know, I can picture, oh, that's a saxophone. So it's good stuff. I dig it. Totes. Yeah. So the bosses in this one, first in the intro stage, you fight against the gigantic Mechanoloid CF-0, which is this big giant boss that goes down super quick. All the intro bosses, for the most part, go down really quick. Yeah, yeah. But he's huge. Yeah, he's ginormous. I'm pretty sure that they use something in, in in as far as some additional special effects, which we'll talk a little bit more about a little bit later to create him because it's just the way he moves and everything. It's almost like polygonal in a way. Yeah. So the eight Mavericks that you fight in this one starts off with, you know, there are a couple different ways that you can go about defeating these enemies. Uh, Wheel Gator is one of the bosses and Wheel Gator, you can get the spin wheel from, he uses a spin wheel on you. So he launches the spin wheel and it kind of goes all over the floor. And the whole floor in this one is blood. 
uh, which again, the way that the level moves, you can tell that there's something different about the graphical style of this game. It's very smooth as far as the way that the, this like giant pool of blood floats and kind of moves. It's interesting. So after you use the strike chain on Wheel Gator, which we'll talk about the strike chain a little bit later, you get the spin wheel, and you can use the spin wheel on Bubble Crab. Bubble Crab! And Bubble Crab is, you know, a little guy with claws, and he little walks back crab. and forth, and he's a cute little Bubble Crab guy. <laughs> I, I don't think I got to him. No? I don't think I played him. I, I, I didn't do the, or, the level in the order that... Yeah, this order is weird order. for me. I, I don't really generally follow this order. I usually start with Wire Sponge, and then... Then I pick up on. Yeah, it's almost it's secular, so you yeah. can really start in any any part in this order, and then right. kind of just go around in a circle. Yeah. But uh, Bubble Crab gives you the bubble splash, and so that kind of you, you shoot that in an arc, and it kind of makes a little like bubble flourish. Yeah. Little little happy bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> bubble baths for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So you use the spin wheel on Bubble Crab, and he gives you a bubble splash, and you use bubble splash on Flame Stag. I played Flame Stag stage music on the Mike's Picks episode. That is one of my favorite tracks. Actually, interestingly enough, I don't know if I mentioned this on that episode, but this that track almost didn't make it into the game. Right. The reason but why the staff, liked it, the so staff liked it so much that they put flame, that song as Flamestag's music. So Flamestag, giant like goat kind of, you know, walking goat kind of guy who's on fire. I guess you could say his <laughs> horns, his horns are on fire. And uh, you, so you get the speed burner from him and you kill him with bubble splash. You're basically sitting there just shooting little bubbles at him. It's pretty funny. It's cute. Yeah. And then you get Morph Moth. He is the next boss. Uh, Morph Moth actually is, it's interesting. Morph Moth doesn't start out like any of the other bosses. He's this like thing that looks like, I don't know, like a, like a mop. I always called it a mop on a string. The okay. string drops down and it looks like a mop head. It's kind of going all over the place, like rocking back and forth. And then after you get the health bar down about half when using the speed burner on him, then you see the real boss come out. He drops down and it, it cracks open and then Morph Moth appears. Yeah, it's appears. like a chrysalis, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. And so he uses the silk shot. You steal the silk shot and you use that on Magna Centipede. Magna Centipede is uh, kind of a tallish dude with... Obviously, lots of legs. He's got like a weird scorpion style kind of tail. Like yeah. His giant tail. So he is, it's like comes out of his neck though. It's not like. It's weird. Yeah, I expected yeah. him to look a little bit different when I when I found out that there was a centipede <laughs> base. I expected him to look more like a centipede, but he looks more like a regular. He looks like a scorpion. He always looked like a scorpion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought he looked more like a regular Mega Man boss okay. with like a centipede. Like somebody just slapped a centipede on yeah, the back yeah. of him or something like that. <laughs> but he gives you the. The magnet mine, which is kind of almost like the the, the crash bombs that you can get in Mega Man 2. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Use those on Crystal Snail, who is one of my favorite enemies to fight in this game. It's just really cool to fight him. Crystal Snail gives you the Crystal Hunter, but to talk a little bit about Crystal Snail, when you're fighting him, he's basically he's a snail in this giant shell, and he sometimes will drop into the shell and then the shell will rotate and the game does these insane crazy effects where the game will start to slow down and you think it's like actual slow down like oh the game you know because these games are very graphics heavy and so initially you're thinking oh the game's slowing down but no it's actually intentional that the game's slowing down and it gives it its weird like wishy-washy watery sound mm. 
as these cool like lines go across the screen. The best way to explain it is it's almost like like a VCR like tracking. Like static lines yeah, yeah. appear on the right, screen. Right, like static lines appear on the screen and it's, it's really cool looking. Like that was always one of my favorite bosses to fight. Cool. So you get the crystal hunter and you use that on Overdrive Ostrich. Otherwise known as Big Bird. Big Bird. It looks like a punk ostrich. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, it's got like like feathery spikes on his back. He was another um, one of those guys that had kind of an attitude to him. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the cocky kind yeah. of dude. And then he will give you the Sonic Slicer. And the Sonic Slicer, well, there's only one boss left to use him yep. on. And that is... Wire Sponge. Wire Sponge, not my favorite boss. Kind of meh. But he kind of controls the weather. So to speak, so yeah. it looks kind of like more like a plant than a yeah. animal. Yeah, even though sponges are technically animals, I but didn't really know what he was. It was like a giant asparagus with some antennae yeah. on his head, like green dreads. Yeah, he looked weird. Yeah, yeah, but he gives you the strike chain, which you can go back and use on Wheel Gator. So you know you can kind of play around with the order on this one. It's kind of almost like Mega Man Two, like the original Mega Man Two in that way that you, there's no. There is an order for like maybe the middle bosses, but some of the bosses you can kind of interchange and you know go through and, and, and defeat them. So yep. it's pretty cool. So then as we were talking about before, you go up against the X Hunters. If you don't defeat them in the initial levels when you come across them through like branching paths, then you'll you'll see them eventually anyway. So that's Agile, Sergei, and Violin. Exactly. And then you fight them all again later on. Right. And you fight them as Neo Violin, Surge's Tank, and Agile Flyer. Yeah, they transform into different I guess modes, if you will. This isn't even their final form. Yeah, exactly. Pretty tough to beat initially. I mean when you're playing through it the first time around, it's pretty difficult. And then depending on if you, when you get to the central computer level, which is the final level of the game, you face off either against Zero or against Sigma. And that depends on whether you've collected the body parts or that's not. That's right, correct. So that's pretty much it for the bosses. We'll talk a little bit more about Sigma's final form as well as some of the graphical effects a little later. But for now, let's get into the next song. Absolutely. So my first pick for this game was Wire Sponges Stage, otherwise known as Weather Wizard. was Wire Sponge, otherwise known as Weather Wizard, released on the Mega Man X2 soundtrack for the SNES composed by Yuki Iwai. This is my actual favorite Mega Man X 1 through 3 song. Love this track. Okay. 
Not your favorite? This is my one of my least of favorite course songs it is. in this game. Why would it be any of different? Of course, honestly. I, you know, this <laughs> actually, to me, feels like a lot of the more jazzy stuff that like Tim Fallon did on the SNES okay. with Spider-Man and X-Men and Arcade's Revenge. Don't get me wrong, this is a good track. It is. I, I like it. It's my least favorite, mm. but I do like it. It's definitely got that jazzy feel to it. Uh, the especially like a jazz fusion. It's got those little like marimba bells. Yeah, and um, the bass is really good in this. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's got like that borderline funk sound. Yeah, to it. I think it avoided a lot of that really high, you know, that that high guitar tone that right. I'm not a big fan of. There's a little bit of it in, in a solo, but that's that's okay. It's not. They're not using it to drive the right. entire song. And I just like the horns, like ba ba ba. It's very staccato, very right. you know. The drums are very jazzy, too. Yeah, exactly. It just feels like it's natural, well-composed. It doesn't feel like a sequenced piece of music. Uh, And I think a lot of time was put into this one. So, you know, that's why it's one of my favorites. I I guess because this was the first boss that Nintendo Power said to beat, it was such a a huge jump from the first song. The first song, just like very overdriven guitars. And then you get into Wire Sponge and it's more like jazzy, floaty kind of feel. And you're kind of like, wait, what? Because you're so yeah, used to the overdriven. your feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not bad. It's just it's just different. So, but I, you know, I dig it. This level is, is fun to play through, though, I will say. When you start off, you can get one of the health tanks right up at the top left. So you just jump up and then go left and you'll get your first heart container, which is really cool. So as far as the parts that you collect in this game, they are a little bit different. First off, you can dash right off the bat in this game. So they did keep that. These games tend to, very similar to the Metroid games, you get these power-ups and then you mysteriously lose them all of of a sudden. Of course. But in X2, they do let you keep the dash, which is really cool. So the head part is actually an item tracer that you can get. So basically what happens is once you get this helmet, X sends out a cursor that you can use. It's basically an item in and of itself that you can scroll through in your main menu. And this allows you to uh, find concealed passages and items, which is really important because in this game, it things are way more hidden. Yeah, I think they wanted the you game. to use the helmet or like needed you to use Absolutely. the helmet. Yeah, uh, you're not going to see like little bricks that look a little bit different. Like right. I wonder what that's doing there. Or yeah. uh, there's a, a lot less. Of or that. yeah, or a trail that leads off like an obvious you know a wall that you can climb right. that you can almost kind of see like where it ends up at top. Yeah. So in this one, you kind of have to use that as a almost. Almost like a cheat, almost, to, right. to try to figure out. But you're never going to find it anyway other than that. So. Yeah, there's a lot of branching paths. I wouldn't say it's nonlinear, but it's there's definitely a lot more branching paths and secret areas that you can access that you never really saw in the first game. Yeah, yeah. The next one is the body armor, and that enables the Giga Crush technique. That's almost like a rage meter. Like, as yeah. you get hit... The rage meter fills. Once the, the the meter fills, then you kind of unleash this huge attack that damages all of the enemies yeah. on the screen. It keeps attacking, too. So, like, if you use it against a boss or, like, Sigma, you'll see that the boss flashes, and then you'll hear, like, like, they just keep getting hit. Kind of, like, sucks them dry. Yeah, yeah, for a couple hits. So, it's, you know, it's not really that powerful. It's really good against, like, basic enemies. Yeah, yeah, or in a boss, if the enemy was down to almost nothing and you were almost down to nothing, right. you know, you could kind of use equalizer. just to get a good good hit without having to put yourself in danger. Absolutely. Uh, and as same as in Mega Man X, that body armor will also protect you against 50% of the damage dealt right, to you. Right, right. The arm part is uh, basically a second X-Buster. You can charge up to four 
charge levels. Uh, when the third one is reached, X fires out super shots from each arm cannon, which is really cool because it's like dual wieldies. It's like dual fists because <laughs> he shoots one and then he and shoots the other. The other. Yeah, it's like a punching. dual double yeah. punch. It's so cool. This is my favorite X buster in all the games because it literally is two X busters. We'll talk about X3, the X buster there and it's not not so good. What do you have next? Next up is your foot part. Now you've already got the dash, but what the foot part allows you to do in Mega Man X2 is dash in air. So it's almost kind of like a double jump. You know, yeah. you can jump up once and then you can dash forward. This helps big time. Yeah, exactly. The one thing it doesn't allow you to do is that if you're already dashing when you jump, you can't use it again to get even right. further. Like you so. can't do a, a, a dash jump in the air. Like, an, a, like you can't jump and then dash and then do another dash. Yeah. 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 So, you know, oh, well, it's cool. And then the last one, you can actually get the Shoryuken from Street Fighter 2. So they gave Ken his up his comeuppance too because right. it was Ryu in the first one with the with the Hadouken and then the Shoryuken obviously gives you a flaming uppercut right. which, you know, isn't nearly as useful as it is, you know, with a fireball. Right. But it's fun to use on bosses and stuff and it's it does also, do a fair amount of damage to them. It's also a huge pain in the butt to get too. Yeah. This one's way harder to get than the other one. So, you know, uh, you also have to, which we didn't mention previously, if you're going for these like special Street Fighter 2 parts, you can't get them unless you have all sub tanks, all heart containers and pretty much all weapons. Right. So and all the armor, of course. Yes. So they want to make sure that you are fully pumped. You are well vested. Yes. Speaking of well vested, let's get to our next track. Are you well vested in this track? I am. All right. Crystal Snail is the boss the track's name is sinister gleam and i think we should give it a listen right on wonder what would happen if Mega Man X was the one who took the alternate path that Zero always takes at the end of the Mega Man X games? Well, Capcom finally granted your wishes in the latest entry of the Mega Man X series, Mega Man X10X, Zenny Edition. Let's watch. X, glad you made it to Sigma's Fortress of Solitude. Thanks, Zero. It was a long journey, but I'm finally ready to take Sigma down. I could really use your help defeating him. Well, not so fast, X. There's a tunnel up above us that would lead to Sigma's laboratory. He's creating a virus that could control millions of innocent reploids. You'll need to fight your way through countless Maverick Hunters, all of which will test your patience to no end. There are tons of spike pits, long jumps, and a giant mechanical battering ram at the end that you'll need to destroy. This sounds overly complicated. Oh, it is, but I know you're the bot for the job, X. After you take down the battering ram, you'll need to dispose of the virus. 
The best way to do that is to probably put in the code at the end of the sequence. Then you gotta go across the river. The river is full of elephants. They like to shoot fireballs at you. There's an energy tank down there. You should probably grab it, but you're gonna need Rush and maybe Roll. I don't even know where they are. They've been gone for like a hundred years. There's a really nice Dunkin' Donuts down there too that makes it pretty Several good. minutes later. Actually check them out. Uh, I think they have soy, so, you know, if you're lactose intolerant, you should, you know, kind of get that instead because we don't want farty robots. And then you can go across the river and swing through the vines and go up the mountain and down the mountain and then under the tunnel and then into the tunnel. And then the combination to Sigma safety deposit box is 1x944152BC3. After you remove the virus from the box, you have exactly four seconds to destroy it with the fire chain you got from Blaze Kangaroo. <gasps> then you'll be ready to take on Sigma. What? I gotta do that all by myself? Why can't you help me with this? Uh, I've got my own thing going on. Uh, I've got to turn off the security generator. Oh, is that really complex? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if you think it's so easy, why don't we switch? Right. Finally, a crack at the real action. Okay. Here's the security generator. Now, let's slide this giant purple one that says power on it down and... Mom, the game turned itself off again! Mega Man X10X, Zenny Edition, releasing on mobile in the year 20XX. Welcome back, that track was Crystal Snail. Sinister Gleam was the name of the song, again composed by Yuki Iwai from the 1995 release of Mega Man X2 for the Super Nintendo. I mean, I love this track, it's great. It's got this almost samba feel to it when Absolutely. it starts off. It's totally. kind of like empty sounding in a way because you just have two instruments. You've got the bass and you've got actually three instruments because you've got the drums to the cymbals, right, the percussion. And then you got this like kind of chimey. Yeah, it's like... It's like kind of dancing almost. But then it gets a lot more rock, you know, towards the middle. driven, the... Good stuff. That's what I'm like. Turn it off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they fit well together, yeah. too. It's funny because while there were so many composers that worked on Mega Man X, the sound was very homogenous. And now you've got only Yuki Iwai working on this game, mm. but all of these tracks sound so different from one another. I think there's a much more varied musical presence in this game. Yeah. And I think she's got a ton of talent. I really yeah, she I does. really like the soundtrack much more than X. Um, even though the game itself is not my favorite game. Like your favorite in terms of it's not your favorite X game or I like Mega Man X the best. I guess right. just because I have the most nostalgia right, for it. Right, right, right. This is actually my favorite. X yeah, too. it's a lot of people's favorite yeah. game. So it's actually very underrated actually, believe it or not. Like X2 is not really the one that everybody loves. Like, usually it's X1 or X3 mm. for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, so that was Crystal Snail. Again, like I said, one of my favorites from the series. This level... Where does this fall on your list of... This is one of your favorites from the game as well? Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite tracks from, from the game. I, I Like I said, I, I think it brings a nice full-bodied variety as far as the song itself goes. The level, I just remember hearing this song over and over again, but only like maybe the first like 25, 30 seconds or so. The reason for that is there is a very difficult to get power up in this level. If you drop down in the level, you'll be able to grab the ride armor and then you can drop all the way down and there's this huge, huge, huge gap. And 
you have to cross it in order to get, I believe it's either a sub-tank or a heart container so or before, well, something. Right armor or those giant mechs that you yes. can ride. Yeah, we didn't really yeah. talk much about those y yet. Yeah, you had the opportunity to jump in these if you in the first game if you destroyed the bad guy quick enough. But if you jumped into this ride armor, you could kind of like dash and punch your way. It was like a really cool way to become more powerful. and Almost like the tanks and metal slug. You yeah. Know, you can just kind of get in these, these or the, the beasts that you can ride on right. in Golden Axe. Vile, the bad guy from the first game that we talked about earlier, he is in ride armor that you, you can't get in his ride armor, but there is ride armor scattered throughout the first game that if you're lucky enough, you can access. In this game, they pretty much hand you ride armor pretty frequently. Yeah. And what's really cool about the ride armor next to is there's these like tiny drills in the hands. And if you hold down Y for attack, it'll start, they'll start spinning and then you can like dash do extra and do extra like really powerful C -c -c combos. Yeah, pretty much. It's really cool. So though he was largely responsible for designing characters for the original Mega Man series, as well as Mega Man X, uh, Inafune was actually very hands off with the art design in Mega Man X 2. Yeah, but he loved Zero. Yes, he did. He probably had a body pillow or something with his image <laughs> printed on well, it. Well, he did create it. So. Yeah, so anyways, you know, they did a lot of redesigns for the graphics in the game. Inafune was, like, adamant. He's like, don't touch Zero. Leave right. him the way he is. You know, and, and that's... He stayed like that for quite a while. Right. You know, Zero hasn't really changed much over the years. No, he was the Morgan Sprite... <laughs> of the Mega Man X universe. But yeah, it was Inafune's decision to bring Zero back to life in X2. You know, he was very attached to the character, so he wanted him to stay in the series. So exactly. good for him, because I think Zero's pretty cool. I actually thought Zero was a girl when I first started playing through the game, because it's very hard to tell genders. And he has these, like, little green, like orbs like circles on his chest and there's two of them like one on each side so i always thought that zero was a girl he had long flowing yellow hair and like a ponytail and yeah like i always thought he was i could see that girl but i mean either way you know zero was always really cool why don't we talk a little bit about the hardware yeah, exactly. So you mentioned a couple times that there were some effects in this game that looked uh, a little more advanced than what a normal SNES cartridge can put out. Right. So that's because there was a uh, enhancement chip in Mega Man X2 and Mega Man X3, and it's called the CX4. Uh, it's a digital signal processor chip, or DSP chip. It allows for 3D graphical effects, but very limited ones. So it does, like, wireframe rotation, right. some extra resolution in terms of scaling and rotation of objects, and it kind of can move things around in kind of a pseudo-3D space. So when we were talking about that mechanoid robot at the beginning, right. it's essentially like a huge orb. Right. And so the kind of like accessories, I guess, on, this, on these two orbs that make up this robot, like the face and like some of the rivets and stuff kind mm -hmm. of move around the body like it was actually moving around a sphere. Right. Uh, so the CX4 chip kind of helps the math in, in processing all of that. Capcom wanted to use this chip to the, the greatest capabilities that they can. And so you first see it on the title screen where the X kind of like rotates in right. like it's a wireframe. So cool. Yeah, and then a lot of the, the weapons that you get, you see wireframe, they kind of rotate right. uh, the They did the that graphics. in 3 and X3 as yep. well. Yeah. And so Inafune and Shotsuge, uh, who were the lead program, on the game both said that it was very difficult to program for but you know the Capcom directors were adamant that they use it to its full capacity sure. and they wanted to see this 
the CX, they want they wanted to see usage of the CX4 throughout the entire game. So they had to work very hard to kind of program in all of these 3D renderings and, and all this stuff that kind of helped the game look better. And I think it, it worked very well because sure. you see these liquid effects and these 3D effects and it kind of you know, makes you understand that this is kind of a futuristic world that you're working with here. Right. And so these effects kind of stand out from the rest of the other games. Yeah, the game's ending theme was actually its uh, final boss track. Uh, I guess the team felt that it was more appropriate for the ending music instead, so it was slightly altered to be made to sound kind of like, you know, a final end theme. And it is pretty, like, epic and uplifting in a way. It's kind of like uh, that sense of closure in a way. As far as the game... The canon ending is you get all Zero's parts, and you know, like I said, we're not going to spoil it, but it is really cool. So I, I definitely recommend playing through, getting Zero's parts, beating Sigma in the end, and it's you know basically Mega Man X and Zero standing on a cliff, just like in all the other games where they're you know hanging out and looking over what they've done and thinking about all they've accomplished. And being very depressed about the whole. It's like yeah. the, the endings to this game, well, at least one and two and eh, even three to an extent, like, yeah. they're like very emo endings. Yeah, they're yeah. like, yeah, we did it, but how long are we going to have to fight? Yeah, Will yeah. we ever be done? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, you know... Well, it kind of continued off of the original Mega Man games in the sense that they really tried to build a consciousness for Mega Man and have him as a robot, yeah, as yeah. A, a programmed AI, actually think about, you know, <laughs> actually think about what we are fighting for. Right. And the people that have played X4 will get that inside right. joke. It was absolutely obvious that they were not planning on just doing one Mega Man X game. Right. You know, they came out in subsequent years. Yeah, yeah. So they had to have been working concurrently on a couple of these titles, absolutely. you know. So, you know, the endings of each game, just kind of like movies nowadays where they know it's going to be part of a trilogy, right. they always end on kind of a cliffhanger note just to get you to want to play the next game in the series. Right. So you're not going to see any of those happy hearts and balloons, the end, you no. know, you got to reset the game to get back to the game kind of deal. They're, no. all, They're all a little bit depressing, but, but they look forward to the future. Speaking of the next chapter... What's our next game? Our next game is Mega Man X8. No, I'm just kidding. This is Mega Man X3, released for the SNES in 1996. This was not developed 100% by Capcom, so it's a little bit of an outlier in this series. Mm -hmm. The composer for this particular title is one of our favorites, Kinuyo Yamashita. And so our first track is Mike's pick. This is going to be Toxic Seahorse. That was Mega Man X3, Super Nintendo release 1996 by Kinyo Yamashita. And that track was called Toxic Seahorse. That is a great song. I am a big fan of that one. Just returns to the overdriven, harmonized guitars with a real heavy chunk to it. It's, it's definitely 
there's a progression in terms of the overdriven guitar on these games. I think X1 uh, kind of had that down really pat and then there was a little bit more synth in there. And then X2 kind of brought a more uh, orchestral kind of theme to it and kind of interjected some different melodies and, and styles of music that weren't present in the first game. And then I think it's kind of a return to roots for X3. All the songs are very heavy, hard rock, overdriven guitar. A little less power metally, a little bit more, I guess, thrashy, if you will. It's good stuff. Yeah, it kind of falls outside of my yeah. zone as far as you know favorite types of music go. This kind of returns back to Mega Man X, like you said. Right. So again, you know, I think Yukio Wise Mega Man X two track is much more in line with with what I like to listen to. Right. Uh, so that you know obviously remains my favorite soundtrack. And Kinuyo Kamashita worked on this one, which is really strange. You don't normally see her in a, in a Capcom right. game. Well, I think and she that's was because at that point. Exactly. She was working for Minakuchi Engineering. So what happened was Capcom was kind of gearing up for the, the 32-bit and 64-bit platforms. Right. Uh, they weren't working so much with the SNES anymore. It was nearing the end of its life. Mm -hmm. So basically Inafune and Shosuge, they, they worked on this game. They planned it out. They designed it. And then they sent it over to Minakuchi Engineering for the actual coding and, and programming part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yamashita was working for them at the time she had previously done the uh, Wily Wars soundtrack for the right. Genesis and Mega Drive so she stayed on to do Mega Man X3 and instead of you know basically having her transcord tracks that were already written for a different game they said you know write your own original soundtrack right. take a listen to Mega Man X probably and kind of duplicate that kind of sound mm -hmm. which she definitely did yeah. so really you know we've spoken about her quite a bit in the past, but right. I don't need to go through her entire work list. No. However, so... Castlevania you know, 1, Power Blade 1 and 2, this game, Mega Man X3. Buffy the Vampire Slayer for GBA. Right. Uh, <laughs> One of her most well-known titles. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bunch of stuff with Natsume, like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first game for the Super NES. She's fantastic. She's one of my favorite composers. Yeah. So as far as Capcom goes, you'll only get to see her on Mega Man the Wily Wars and Mega Man right. X. Which those were arrangements anyways. So. Yeah, the yeah. original, uh, the Wily Wars tracks were, yes. Right. Basically, the game takes place in the year 21XDX. <laughs> All the, the Mavericks have been decimated thanks to Dr. Doppler. Now, he used this neurocomputer to be able to uh, suppress abnormal behavior in the reploids. So that means that... They wouldn't um, go berserk. Yeah, exactly. Right. All the things that were making them go berserk in the past, he's basically fixed their bugs. They've all created this new town called Doppeltown, and it's a perfect utopian kind of city where everybody lives in happiness. Everybody's happily ever after. Yeah, Dr. Doppler leads them. Now, a few months later, the Mavericks, who the neurocomputer were supposed to have fixed... These Mavericks appear. They've gone crazy again. They were supposed to have been fixed by the right. narrow computer, but they go crazy. They start attacking everything. Yep. So at the Maverick the Hunter's headquarters, everybody starts to realize that Dr. Doppler was actually behind this all along. Right. He was just gathering all these Reploids together so that they can all go Maverick and be more powerful than ever. So obviously they call our two favorite heroes, X and Zero, to basically take down Dr. Doppler, and there's another eight robots to take care of. That's right. Who would have guessed? Oh, man. And we'll get to those in just a bit, but first, let's go ahead and listen to Gravity Beetle, which is our next track. This is my second pick.
we're back. That was Gravity Beetle from Mega Man X3, released in 1996 for the SNES, composed by Kinuyo Yamashita, and mm, that one's okay. That one's awesome. It's heroic sounding. I feel like it's got <laughs> it kind is. of a ease three yeah. feel to it, like Definitely. you know, hero running through the battlefield kind of a feel. Right, got that awesome classic Mega Man X overdriven guitar. There's a lot of really cool harmony leads that kind of intermingle with one another. So there's at least three guitar lines that kind of you got that chuggy like dun 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 kind of yeah, keeps yeah. pace with the bass a little bit, and then you've got the two harmonized lead lines that kind of interject throughout the song and they kind of go up and up and rising and just really awesome so you know it's my bag i dig it ed's picks are a little bit more gritty like so we'll, yeah. we'll check those out in a, in a bit the opening stage of this game is just epic i mean it, you see these like bug things like flying all over the place these like bug robots and then all of a sudden you see you see one come right up in front of you and it's kind of traveling, and then you just see X jump on it and grab it, and he starts shooting at it with his other blast, with his blaster arm, and then you see Zero jump on it too, and Zero just slices it with his saber, and yeah. it just like splits in half, and they both fall to the ground, and it's just so epic and awesome. This is like one of my favorite intro stages to any video game ever. It's it, awesome. It really kind of shows you how powerful these two robots have become over yes. the past three games. And how well they intermingle together. As yeah, well. yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Walking Dead series. And so, you know, you kind of see the characters at the beginning of that series. Like, one zombie appears and everybody's like, oh, no, oh, yeah, no, a yeah. zombie. But by, like, the fifth season, it's like... They two, know what's two up. Two people meet a dozen zombies, and they're just like, shoot them, shoot them, slice them, shoot them. Right. You know, done. Yeah. And that's where these two guys are at this point. Yeah. They're just ready for anything. Yeah. yeah. Confident and, and heroic. They're just epic battle robots, and X has had enough preparation in the first two games. And this game also takes place a little bit later in the X series, so it's not like the first two games where it's six months later for from the distance between uh, time-wise between X1 and X2. You, you have a little bit of time that's passed between uh, X2 and X3. So, and as the game goes on, X gets bolder and older and wiser and, you know, becomes a real leader in the X universe. And so if we well, ever the universe do... is named after him, so he better step True. up. True. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll get into that as far as if we ever do an X4 through X6 because I ain't touching X7 and X8. Forget that. Because Axel shows up and nobody likes Axel. But anyways, so after you go through this opening stage, you meet, you know, you're playing as Mega Man X, you meet this uh, character named Mac. And Mac is basically like, hey, X, guess what? And then he shoots you with something and he's, he's actually, you find out that Mac, who used to be a friend of X's, which is a very common theme, actually is a bad guy now. Boo Erns. Yeah. So he kidnaps X, and then lo and behold, Zero pops through the ceiling, and then you're playing as Zero, which is really cool because it's the first time you play as Zero, and it's so awesome and epic. And the music kind of sets that tone as well. Again, we played the Zero theme with Zero's X2 theme and Zero's X3 theme in the mics picks episode so definitely go back and listen to it because it is awesome the opening stage music was originally going to be one of my picks but it's just it's so iconic you just need to hear that song so if you aren't familiar with the opening stage music uh, listen to that and then listen to zeros really just play through the x3 game because it's fantastic i always thought it was funny that it took three games to 
get to actually play, play Zero. Considering that it was, you know, Inafune's favorite character, right. like, why wouldn't that have been yeah, people earlier? People play as X. I mean, yeah. like, to be honest, if I started off the game and I was Zero, I would have hated it. Like, I needed... You need that... Familiarity. Familiarity. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the characters in this game. There's also Mao the Giant, which is one of the first characters that you face yeah. as Zero, right? As yeah, uh, No, because Zero saves... Zero defeats Mac... Because uh, basically you enter into this this chamber and X is hanging from the ceiling by this bot and he's paralyzed and so Zero has to quickly take out Mac. He defeats X's previous friend Mac and then saves X and then he's like, you know, oh, thanks for saving me. Okay, see you later. And then Bye. Zero leaves and then you're playing as X right, again. Right. So you fight Mal the Giant. Uh, basically, just like in X2, it's the intro boss, you know, kind of, he, he's really simple. After you beat him, then you move on to the eight Mavericks, starting off with Blast Hornet. And he uses the Parasitic Bomb. It's just basically this giant hornet dude. And his weakness is Gravity Well, which you get from Gravity Beetle. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And you use the Parasitic Bomb against Blizzard Buffalo. Exactly. And of course, you know, you always make me talk about the ice levels. <laughs> <laughs> Blizzard Buffalo, like in his shape, kind of reminds me of Spark Mandrill. He's like very tank. Yeah. I'd say Flame Mammoth, actually. More like Flame Yeah, Mammoth. okay. I can yeah. see that too. Just very hulking character. Yeah, he's big. He's yeah. a big sprite. Like lots of tubes coming out of his right. back. Yeah. Um, so he's this big dude and, and you definitely need to use your dash to like move out of the way of his charges. Yeah. So once you beat him, he gives you the Frost Shield and you can move on to Toxic Seahorse once you have that. Right. Toxic Seahorse is really cool. He's like a gangly seahorse and his limbs are going all over the place. It's really cool looking. He gives you Acid Burst which he uses against you, and you can defeat him pretty easily with the Frost Shield that you get from Blizzard Buffalo, and then you use the Acid Burst on Tunnel Rhino. Yeah, another big character. These guys are pretty hulking in yeah, this game. Yeah. Tunnel Rhino, again, large horn, large spikes on his shoulder. He's um, big, the big guts, gutsman-like yeah, character. Yeah, drill for his arm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, definitely one that you want to... Uh, he's, he's more of kind of like a melee character. He doesn't shoot as much at you, but he attacks you physically, and you got to jump out of right. the way of him. His weapon that you get once you beat him is Tornado Fang. You use the Tornado Fang on Volt Catfish. Volt Catfish is also pretty big. It's just looks like this very fat, open mouth catfish that also has the power of electricity. He's really difficult to beat with just the Mega Man X Buster. You pretty much have to use the Tornado Fang against him. And then you get Triad Thunder, which is not really that effective against Crush Crawfish, but that's what you're supposed to use on him anyways. Yeah, Crush Crawfish is also known as Scissors Shrimper in Japan. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Scissors Shrimper, Scissors Shrimper. Th th yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus. So he kind of looks like a shrimp. He's got these huge claws on him, and he uses those claws. He shoots them out at Mega Man X right. to grab you and pull you back. He's kind of one of those guys where you want to ride the wall as he shoots to kind of avoid his stuff. Once you beat him, you get the Spinning Blade. Yep, and then you use the Spinning Blade on Neon Tiger. Basically a Wolverine sprite yeah. uh, from X-Men Mutant Apocalypse. Very similar style and design, which that game came out right around that time too, so I guarantee that was just code that was reused for that or they used him as a baseline because he's literally got Wolverine claws. The, it was no secret that Capcom employees loved 
the X-Men comics. In fact, I read that the Darkstalkers team were big, big fans. One of the developers who did, he, he knew English, he was able to translate the X-Men comics. So he would come in to the office with these translated X-Men comics before they were translated to Japanese, actually. Ah. So it's pretty cool because he was like bringing them in and everybody in the development teams over in Capcom became really like huge X-Men fans and they were like, we have to get this franchise, we have to do a game. Cool. And one of the big producers for Darkstalkers was like, let's do it, like let's get the rights to X-Men and that's kind of how those X-Men games got started. That's very Capcom. cool. Yeah. It's nice to be part of a big company like that so you can yeah. make those decisions. It's kind of cool that everybody was like, dude, you gotta check this out, like oh, this X-Men comic, like it's really cool. So it's kind of cool that they, they were able to share in that love outside of video games and then kind of bring that back to video games. Yeah, Pretty yeah. Cool. So Anyways. once you beat Neon Tiger, you end up getting the Race Splasher. You can use that on Gravity Beetle. Now in the story of Mega Man X3, most of these Mavericks were infected by a virus right. by Dr. Doppler, which mm -hmm. basically turns them evil. Gravity Beetle's a little bit different. He's actually the brother of Boomer Kuanger. Oh, really? So he joined Dr. Doppler not because he was infected, but because he wanted to avenge his brother's Boomer death. Boomer Kuanger, right. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, he's a master of gravity. He throws these gravity wells, and they basically like appear like little black holes on the screen. Mm -hmm. Mega Man X gets sucked towards them and, and gets damaged if he ends up touching them. Right. And so that's basically the kind of weapon you get once you beat him, too. You get your own gravity wells, mm -hmm. which will suck enemies in and do damage. Right. Very to similar to Mega Man 9's gravity attack that you get. Yep. yep. Shoots a little ball like a black hole ball and then it kind of pulls enemies in. It's really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all eight Mavericks. Uh, there's also a couple of other interim enemies that you'll fight along the way, uh, namely Bit and Bite. Yeah, Bit and Bite are essentially just these henchmen that Dr. Doppler sends out. And one of them is kind of like a normal sized Mega Man X style bot. And then the other one is like really big, really fat kind of uh, giant like really kind of tiny head on like a giant body yeah, yeah. and then after those two leave during a cutscene and they go to find Mega Man X then you end up seeing this quote unquote mysterious figure which is <laughs> obviously based on the sprite uh, vile reincarnated they just made him a little bit darker than right, usual right and so you there is a stage a part of a stage where we talked about branching past before uh, this is a branching path in one of the stages that you can drop down. There's an elevator shaft. And after getting to this boss, you end up fighting Vile MK2, which is the... Vile I guess, Mark II. Yeah, Vile Mark II, which is basically the second version of Vile. You fight his ride armor, which is all big and beefy and powerful. And then after you destroy that, then you're essentially fighting Vile again. And it's a nice way to kind of close out the initial trilogy when you're fighting bosses from the first game. Right after you beat Vile, then there's kind of like a Metroid escape style thing where you have to leave really, really quickly to avoid being blown up. So basically Vile says, hey, guess what? You may have defeated me, but you haven't won the battle. And so you escape, you get back to the level, and you get back to beating baddies. Yep, so there's this other one called God Car Machine O Inari. <laughs> which is the most ridiculous name I've ever heard for yeah. a boss. Uh, it's essentially bit and bite combined. Right. Kind of, you get like bites big body, uh, almost like a like it's on now, it's all fours, mm -hmm. and then bits like kind of like headpiece on top. So almost like a centaur right. kind of deal with this giant like ring around the top of it. It's very like new age looking almost. Yeah. And then you can only 
beat him by shooting his top because I think his, his bottom part is invulnerable. So you got to basically aim for the head. Right. So then there's a press disposer and he's the boss if that you face off in the first Doppler stage of Mega Man X3 if both bit and bite were destroyed when you're playing through the game initially. Kind of like an elephant head that just has like a weird trunk that has a laser like a shooter. Pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty easy to beat for the most part. After that, then you face off against uh, Vile MK2. It's pretty yep, neat. Yeah, exactly. Once you beat all those crazy guys, now it's finally time to take on Dr. Doppler. Right. Of course, as you learn, Dr. Doppler's not just doing this of his own volition. He's right. actually been taken over by Sigma himself. Yes. So, and then he reveals himself as the final boss. Essentially, Doppler was building Sigma a new body and you know, towards the end of the game, he's just like, oh, it's so horrific. And then you see it and you're like, yeah, it's not that horrific. <laughs> and it's just kind of like overpowered power armor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's got this, you know, giant, it almost kind of looks like Optimus Prime a bit. It's like a blue bottom with a red top and he's just kind of, his head's kind of sticking out of the front of it. Yeah. He's tough to beat. I remember you, we played this together at my house a couple of nights ago. Oh. That was about as far as we can get. And I got to, I mean, I've beaten all three games multiple times, but the third, the X3, I am definitely the weakest yeah. in. And I think when we played through it, we were just kind of doing it quick, so we didn't really power ourselves up as much right. as we really needed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about that as far as like power-ups go and, and whatnot. But let's get into our next track. This is Ed's first pick. Blast Hornet is the track. Let's take a listen. Welcome back. That was Deep Purple with Highway Star. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. That was Blast Hornet Stage uh, from Mega Man X3, written by Knuyo Yamashita, released in 1996 on the SNES. And yeah, like I just said, I mean, that's totally a throwback to like 70s, very, oh, yeah. very early metal, very chuggy guitars. Slow it down a little bit and make it a little bit, detune that guitar a little bit. And yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be like early Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Three Dog Night, like that That whole, this is definitely inspired by those bands. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a great track. I love Deep Purple, so you know, it's, it's good stuff all the way. What's cool about Zero is in this game, you can actually switch back and forth between X and Zero, but here's the crazy thing. If you die as Zero, you die in real life. No, I'm just kidding. It actually turns the SNES off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you die as Zero, you can't play through him throughout the entire, the rest of the game. So that's it. He's basically like, when his life bar goes down, he's like, X, I gotta return to base. And that's it, you can't pick him again. The way you pick him is weird. Like you gotta hit start and then I think like L, R and A and start or something like that. It's like really convoluted. Hmm. I find that as the X games went on, they became more and more convoluted and more and more filled with unnecessary things that didn't really add much to the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just figured I'd mention that Zero is playable throughout the entire game, except 
when you reach mini bosses or bosses. Then X takes over and he's like, oh, I'm coming in. But of course there are new armor and with that new armor upgrades. And now there's also armor chips that you can apply to Mega Man as well. Right. So starting off, of course, you have your dash from Mega Man X1. Right, the regular dash. Um, But the foot part for this, you can use the variable air dash. Now, when you're in the air, you can dash straight forward like in Mega Man X2, or you can also Left go right. upward. Right. Uh, which definitely helps quite a bit. You actually need that towards the end of the game, yes. even just to get up to the last boss. Right. You can get a foot chip, which allows X to use the variable air dash uh, basically two times in a row, so you can dash up twice or to the left or right twice. Right. Then there's the body part or the body armor, which, again, damage is reduced by half, 50%. When X gets struck by an enemy's power or attack, you get this shield that kind of pops up that protects you for a very short period of time. You can also get a body chip, which in addition to the original 50% reduction in damage, the force field is orange instead of blue, and that's additional damage, so you really take almost like 75% damage instead of the 62. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, you're pretty powerful with that chip overall. Yeah. The arm parts are next. Yeah, the arm, uh, you get a second X-Buster. That's got four levels of charge. The fourth level charge is a cross-charge shot, and you shoot both arm cannons in rapid succession like you were talking about before. This one's a little different. Though. Yeah, well, when the when you have all of your armor parts together though, it uses only half the weapon energy for special weapons and you can climb ladders faster too for some weird reason. Yeah. And when you get the arm chip, then you get the hypercharge and that's unlimited charge shots as long as you've got weapon energy for right. your for your special weapons. That was my least favorite part about X3 was the charge shot. I dislike this charge shot. The reason being is, initially when you first get the charge shots in the game or when you use the Mega Buster, you know, you've got these different levels initially. You've got the first level, which is kind of like a a more powered up shot that's just a little bit more powerful. Uh, It's usually typically like green or lime green. And then when you get your regular full shot, it's usually like bluish, purplish sort of color. That shot in and of itself is usually pretty powerful. In all the other games, the shot pretty much stays about that size, except for X1. X1, you get this weird shield thing on the back, this purple shield, and then you get this weird, like, dragon-flowing shot, almost. It kind of, like, moves like a dragon, I always said. In X2, you get the double-arm shots. You shoot one, and then you shoot another, and both are, like, basically fully up, fully powered-up charge shots. And those work really well together. You can pretty much like do like a one-two punch combo with those. X3, unfortunately, you get you know the regular shot that we talked about and the Mega Buster shot. But then you get this baby shot, I guess you'll call it. You get this regular, the, the, the supercharged shot, which it shoots one powerful shot. But then it does this super delayed ultra shot where it's just like four little baby shots all stacked on top of one another in between the regular sized mega buster and it's slow it's really slow to charge it's also really slow to shoot and honestly it it hurts more than it helps so this is my least favorite power up for the mega buster okay yeah I, i can agree with that the game is meant to be played where you're just rushing through stuff and powering up, shooting as best as possible to your best advantage. It's all about quick timing. And if you've got a shot that 
takes a really long time to power up and a really long time to shoot that has yeah, it's a bit gonna of a bog delay. you down it's gonna bog you down exactly yeah so next up are the head parts yeah the head parts or the head helmet that you get in this one X gets a item radar very similar to X2 but what's cool about this one is it shows almost like like a super Metroid style or like a really basic super Metroid style map at the very beginning of the screen when you pop into the level so you show up and if you have this helmet, you get this beam that sort of shoots out of X's helmet. And this map is kind of like interjected for the player so that you can see, oh, okay, so if I go up to this square of the map, I'll be able to get like, you know, the, the power up for the uh, heart container, sub tanks, various different ride armors or armored capsules. So the head chip can actually let you regenerate your energy by standing still. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. What's also really cool about that is that'll also automatically fill sub tanks too. Yep, yeah. yeah. So it, that's really nice before the last boss. I remember we were grinding those oh. energy tanks out because we didn't have the head chip. Oh, so. yeah. Anyways, the hyper chip is what you can get if you didn't use any of the regular upgrade chips in any of the boss stages and you collected all of the other items in the game. So this is basically what makes the gold armor. And it's basically, you know, what you're looking at with full armor set, but it turns gold. Right. The hypercharge uses up less energy and your energy regenerates more quickly, but it doesn't save in passwords. So right. if you, you turn the game it. off and go back to it, then you have to go back and get it again. Mm -hmm. And then you can also get Zero's Beam Saber. Which is awesome. Yeah. So if you beat Vile Mark II with the Ray Splasher or the Spinning Blade, then if you use Zero to fight the enemy known as Mesquitus or Mesquitus <laughs> in the second level of Do Dr. Doppler's stages, Zero will then give you his X-Saber before you go back to the base. I've never actually done this myself, but it sounds really cool. If you don't have the arm parts, then X will just simply swing the saber very similar to Zero. Just, you know, he pulls his saber out yeah. of some orifice and uses it. If, the, if you do get the arm parts, then X's final charge level, which is a fifth level, is replaced with a green one, very similar to Zeros. Zeros, right. And so after you fire the two shots, you could swing the saber, and this time it, it actually hits every single enemy within a certain distance or a certain range. The standalone saber and the shockwave are pretty heavy destructive, so they're pretty awesome. Yeah, they make the bosses super easy. I think yeah. you can just kill them with like one or two shots. Yeah, <laughs> it's man. insane. Yeah. So you can tell between like X1 and X3, just how powerful you can get. Oh yeah. It would be really cool to see like a version of Mega Man X where you can use Mega Man X3's powers just to like bash through all the all these stuff in the original game. Well, X4 you can get, if I recall, there is a way to get that armor. It's like called the ultimate armor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so there is a way to do it. So Very cool. It's really neat. All right, well, let's move on to our next and final track of the day. This one is the Crush Crawfish stage.
Welcome back. That was Ed's last pick and the final track of the episode. Crush Crawfish was the track and it was by Kinyo Yamashita. This is not one of my favorite tracks, but I will say that the I think the thing that kind of bugs me is the symbols. Yeah, this. that cut They're short very, symbol. They get cut short, very short. It's very weird. I can describe this song in two words. What's that? Ninja Turtles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's really the only reason I picked it, because I really love that kind of similarity. Like, yeah. What would happen if Yamashita wrote a Ninja Turtles song? That's well, true. this is what would happen, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that solo as it goes through like that the, the, the second half of the song. Right. I mean, the riff is okay. It, you yeah. know, it wasn't my favorite. You know, like I said, this, for me particularly, this Mega Man X3 soundtrack was hard to pick favorite tracks from sure. because it wasn't in the, in the genre that I really, you know, like that much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but this one, I just, you know, I kind of heard that riff and I was like, oh, that sounds really familiar. I yeah, think I'll yeah. kind of play that and so we can talk about it a little bit. So there's some cool stories behind the development of Mega Man X3, mostly based on the time that it was developed and released. Right. Because this was really where the 16-bit era was transitioning. Yeah. yeah, going into 32-bit. So there was actually going to be a 3DO port of this game, believe Weird. it or not. Weird. Uh, that never made it off the ground. But it did end up getting ported to the PC, the PlayStation, and the Saturn. Yes. What's funny about those three ports is that uh, Blizzard Buffalo is misspelled Bilzard Buffalo (laughs) in those ports. My friend must have worked on that. (laughs) (laughs) The SNES version is very rare because there was a computer chip shortage at the time. That CX4 chip was getting harder and harder to manufacture. I think mostly because a lot of these companies... and, And, you know, the way this works is that the... Companies don't normally manufacture their own chips. Some right. do in very rare circumstances, but right. mostly they'll, you know, have Hitachi or Samsung or Foxconn or someone else manufacture their chips, and they have these big assembly lines that make these chips. Now, all of these companies were starting to make these chips for these new consoles, so mm-hmm. it's very hard to get mass production on a chip that's basically showing its age. Right. So manufacturing circuit boards for the SNES, less and less of these companies were available to do these in a large capacity. So I think that's why X3 ended up getting such a lower print run. Plus, I'm sure that they knew that the Saturn and PlayStation ports would be coming out soon too, so people that wanted to play the game would just opt for the more you know technologically advanced more accessible, platform. Which is such a shame because, in my opinion, the arranged soundtrack that they created uh, for X3 for the Saturn and PlayStation and PC were definitely inferior to this Super Nintendo version in my opinion. I know you're a little bit bigger of a fan because it's a little bit more your style in terms of the arrangement. It's less harsh sounding to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. A little more natural it's sounding. It's less gritty. It's more floaty and more poppy, yeah, I would say. Yeah. There's also a bootleg version of this game for the Genesis and Mega Drive, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like a watered down version and the music is pretty bad, but mm. they did a pretty good job actually getting the feel of the game. And you can find footage of that on, on YouTube as well. That's pretty so neat. It's worth you checking out. You might be able to post that on the Facebook group. Yeah, totally. As far as X3 goes, it's one of the more rare carts that you can get for the Super Nintendo. I was lucky to get mine for only 50 bucks back in the day. Nice. Probably about, I don't know, seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah. That was before prices skyrocket. Now I think it goes for almost, at the time of this recording, over $300. And one of the reasons for that is that CX4 chip. Right. Uh, simply because you can't use like an EverDrive or a flash cart right. to play the game on a real hardware. Nope. Reproduction carts are almost non-existent because this was the only game where the CX4 chip was featured. Well, mm-hmm. this is an X2. So you can't really use a donor cart right. like you could with some 
some of the older NES games that use similar chips exactly. to create a, a, a different game. Mm. So it's really down to either you know emulation or having the real cartridge to right. play this game. Yeah. So of course that's going to drive up the cost of the game if you want that real cartridge experience Definitely. to play this and X2. But you know then like I said you can also get the the other disc based ports but they're they're not they're good ports but they're not they are. they're identical to the SNES version. Yeah. Gameplay wise they're pretty much identical as far as the game. Right. It's but with music and graphics are a little bit different. Right. Exactly. So, so I, I think it's less impressive because it's coming from a, a higher end machine and so when you look at some when you look at the graphical effects like the 3D wire effects that you see these you know very early polygon style effects they're more impressive on the Super Nintendo because of that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So guys, we hope you enjoyed our overview of Mega Man X 1 through 3. We'd love to go deeper on the subject, and we will do that on the Facebook group. You can catch us at www.facebook.com groups slash Pixeltoons Radio. Share with us your Mega Man X memories. Share with us your favorite stages, your favorite music, fan art, whatever you find out there that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, post it on this link. You could also listen to us on iTunes. Check us out on there, and if you feel inclined, give us a rating and give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Also, our Pixel Chat segment is ongoing. Send us an email at pixeltoonsradio at gmail.com. It doesn't necessarily need to be about our favorite soundtracks or our favorite songs. You know, that's kind of the, the trend that's been sure. going on for the past couple episodes. Ask us anything. Yeah. Production stuff, how we made the show, right. what goes into it. We want to talk to you guys and we want yeah. to answer your questions. Definitely. So send us your questions there. You can also catch us on Twitter at Pixeltoons Radio or on Instagram at Pixeltoons Radio. You can also catch me on my other podcast, Impulse Project. Uh, I do that with my pal Brian from Pixelated Audio and you can catch us at impulse cast on twitter you can also check out this podcast in video format as well as my video game review series dude you haven't played this game on youtube.com forward slash dongled i think that's it that's good for me dude man i love me some Mega Man x i can't wait to do x4 through x6 like next year <laughs> i'll make a man next out for the time being <laughs> Next episode, we are doing a single game spotlight on a kind of a lesser known SNES game that has some amazing tracks. Yeah. And we will see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, Obviously, Mega Man X6. Uh, this Wait, was. What? I'm sorry. I'm, I was reading 1996 on the screen. Mega Man X6. This was obviously, of course, released for. You said it again. Did I? Mega Man X6. Holy <laughs> shit. All right. <laughs>